BridgeBank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to those committed to leveraging innovation to make the world a better place. BridgeBank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. BridgeBank, be bold, venture wisely. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. From KQED. Michael Krasny, coming up next on Forum, federal authorities yesterday charged an Air Force sergeant with the murder of a federal officer during an anti-police brutality protest in Oakland. The FBI says Stephen Carrillo, who has also been charged in a deadly ambush of police in Ben Lomond earlier this month, is linked with the extremist movement Boogaloo, which believes in inciting a second civil war. Then at 10.30, as tributes to the Confederacy continue to fall across the country, the city of Fort Bragg, which is named after Confederate General Braxton Bragg, is considering changing its name. And we'll talk to the city's mayor and local residents about the debate over renaming Fort Bragg and the controversies surrounding historic names. That's next, after this news. Welcome to Forum. I'm Michael Krasny. Yesterday, authorities charged an Air Force sergeant with murdering a federal officer during an anti-police brutality protest in Oakland in late May. Stephen Carrillo has also been charged with 19 felony counts for a violent ambush on police earlier this month in the Santa Cruz Mountains that left a sheriff's deputy dead. The FBI says Carrillo is linked with the extremist movement Boogaloo, and they believe in inciting a second civil war to overthrow the government. Joining us to discuss the cases and the extremist ideology of the Boogaloo movement is Cassie Miller, Senior Research Analyst with the Southern Poverty Law Center. Welcome, Cassie Miller. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Glad to have you and also glad to have Matthias Gaffney. He's a reporter with the San Francisco Chronicle, former reporter with the East Bay Times and the Mercury News. And welcome, uh, Matthias Gaffney. Welcome to the program. Yeah, thanks for having me. Let me just say good morning to you and begin with you, if I may. And let's talk about how these two cases were linked. Uh, I mean, the case that occurred in Oakland was during a protest. Uh, it was a federal officer. The case that, uh, that occurred with the wounding of a couple of officers and the killing of one in Ben Lomond uh, was a number of days later. How did the FBI make the link? How do we see the two connected? Yeah, so uh, pretty early on, um, after the Oakland shooting, the FBI put out a bolo, you know, lookout uh, to law enforcement that there was a white van involved. And they basically said there was a driver and a shooter swung open the sliding door and fired at these two federal officers, killing one and injuring the other. So we knew about this white van. And then maybe just over a week later, there's this shootout with Santa Cruz uh, County deputies and Ben Lomond and on its face, it didn't have much of a link, but they initially put out that there was a van involved. And then 
Um, I was I happened to be reporting the day of that shooting and uh, found out quickly it was a white van and that the FBI was looking into um, a possible connection to the Oakland shooting, which also obviously and you know there was targets of law enforcement. And so it really was the white van, I think, that um, gave the first inkling that these two may be uh, connected. And in fact, that white van was driven by Robert Justice, who's also been charged, uh, though the killings uh, have been charged in 19 felony counts total, in fact, uh, uh, against Carrillo. He, uh, according to the FBI, he came to Oakland to kill cops. Yeah, it's um, they laid out and they unsealed the affidavit yesterday from an FBI agent, and uh, it laid out the days before um, that May 29th shooting. And he's on Facebook um, chatting with um, other folks who are following the the Boogaloo movement, and basically saying that you know there's these uh, protests um, across the country. This is our chance to take advantage. Um, he says, think outside the box. We have mobs of angry people to use to our advantage. And he connects with this guy who, um, purportedly hasn't ever met in person, this Robert Justice who lives in Millbrae. And they agree to meet at a BART station. And, um, from there he's has guns with him. He has, you know, protective vests. They take off the license plate of the van. They drive over to Oakland and park right by, right across, literally right across the street from this security guard shack. And Justice is telling FBI later that he didn't want to go through with this plan because Carrillo had all sorts of ideas of shooting police officers, a helicopter, civilians. Um, But he does go through with it and drives them away and and, uh, they shoot uh, both, both those officers and, you know, the crime spree has started. We're talking with Matthias Gaffney, a reporter with the San Francisco Chronicle, and we're talking about uh, the case that involves uh, Robert Carrillo, uh, who's a staff sergeant and uh, at Travis Air Force Base, uh, now being charged with, with about 19 felonies, as we said, and two murders. Uh, we'll talk about the movement, uh, the Boogaloo movement, in a moment with uh, Cassie Miller, but I want to, Matthias, uh, get your thoughts about um, a number of other incidents and episodes that weren't necessarily linked specifically to this, but there was uh, some demolition and, and use of explosives in Las Vegas, and apparently Carrillo had explosives in his van. Uh, at least that's the allegations now. And cases really with this particular group uh, that have been identified throughout the country now, which is fascinating to many in light of the fact that the President of the United States and uh, Attorney General have been largely putting a lot of the blame on Antifa. This is not necessarily to give Antifa a clean slate, but uh, I think there were about 51 incidents involving or related to this group Boogaloo. Yeah, it's it's pretty uh, new. Um, uh, you haven't heard about it much in the past. Uh, I think a lot has become uh, morphed from like the militia movement uh, has morphed recently with these shutdown orders. And you've seen obviously those protests around the country um, about how uh, states should be reopened and whatnot. Um, and you're starting to see more and more activity from this group um, uh, it's hard to even call it a group. It's more of a movement and ideology um, that people follow. It often involves um, gun rights and, and whatnot. But yeah, you're starting to see acting out of on, on more of this ideology. And uh, you know, the experts we spoke to talked about how 
this is generally a younger um, type of demographic and one that tends towards violence. And let me go to Cassie Miller now, who again is senior research analyst with the Southern Poverty Law Center. Uh, what we know about this group, and I think uh, Mateus has just touched on it, is uh, it's very mixed. Uh, I mean, there are some white supremacist groups, there are some uh, white supremacists in the group, there are some who are libertarians, uh, there are some gun groups. It's, it's kind of a, a potpourri, really, a, a decentralized movement that emerged back in 2019. Uh, at that point, pretty much uh, in a racial context, but there's even, for example, a black group that's been identified with Boogaloo in Virginia. So it's kind of hard to pin down, but mostly they want insurrection. They want a civil war. Yeah, I think that everything that Matthias has said is correct. Um, the Boogaloo is a term that has used, been used for a really long time in far-right communities, um, including the anti-government movement and among white supremacists and neo-Nazis, really beginning in the early 2010s. Um, and it's been used to describe an up upcoming civil war or in these more extreme circles is an explicit call for race war. Um, right now in this Boogaloo movement that we're seeing emerge, as you said, kind of late in 2019, early this year, um, there isn't really a cohesive or a singular ideology that unites all the people who are part of this movement. They really run the gamut of the far right and you know, include everyone from white power extremists to libertarians. But the thing that really does unite them is their belief that the US government is tyrannical and that it must be eventually overthrown with a civil war. So there's also a kind goals, of a, uh, excuse me, I was just gonna say, there's kind of a demonizing of all police officers though, isn't there? Right, I mean, this is fundamentally an anti-government movement and a lot of that is directed at law enforcement. And we've seen direct calls to carry out acts of violence against law enforcement. And a lot of their activities are aimed at creating these violent confrontations. Well, I know many of our listeners have uh, questions and comments about this group and about what's happened in the murder of a federal officer in Oakland and a sheriff's deputy in Ben Loman, both allegedly committed by Stephen Carrillo, who has links to this violent, uh, violent extremist movement we're talking about, Boogaloo, uh, talking about with Cassie Miller. And we invite you to be part of the program. If you have questions or comments, you can join us right now. Our toll-free number is available. It's 866-733-6786. Please feel free to join the conversation with any questions or comments you might have. The number again, toll-free, 866-733-6786, or get in touch with us on Twitter and Facebook. We're at KQED Forum, or email questions you might have to forum at kqed.org. Uh, I mentioned Facebook, uh, Cassie Miller. Facebook plays a pretty preeminent role in terms of Boogaloo, doesn't it? Yeah, I would say Facebook plays a really predominant role in um, the development of this movement. The vast majority of people who are involved with it are congregating on Facebook. Um, and over the last several months, we've seen well over 100 face, uh, Boogaloo-specific groups arise on Facebook. Um, and these are places where people are posting, you know, really violent content and over calls for violence and attacks on law enforcement officers and talking about building weapons. Um, and a lot of this is, you know, it violates Facebook's own terms of service. Um, and we've been raising the alarms about this, as have other groups that we work with. And we haven't seen any movement from Facebook in trying to remove this extremist content from their site. And, you know, this is the largest social media platform in the world. Um, and if they really wanted to, I think that they could very easily 
remove this and, and stop the spread of, of what we know is really dangerous content and is, um, you know, implicated in, in creating real world violence. Now, this has been a problem for Facebook and, and Zuckerberg, you know, defending a lot of these, uh, this kind of content and being criticized for perhaps being fearful of uh, alienating the right or the conservatives. Uh, but you mentioned hundreds joining on Facebook. Actually, my figures say there were thousands uh, just in in uh, in March and April alone uh, joining these uh, Boogaloo Facebook groups because uh, the time seemed certainly nigh with all the protests that were going on. And uh, this was uh, certainly an opportunity for people like Stephen Carrillo to act out whatever he may have acted out. The ideology, if there is an ideology, is what's called accelerationist, uh, accelerationist, excuse me. That is, create disorder and foment enough uh, complete chaos to break down the political system. That kind of sums it up, doesn't it? Yes, and yes, you are correct that there are definitely thousands of people who are on Facebook who adhere to this ideology. Um, what I meant is there are hundreds of groups, often with thousands of members. Um, and what we've seen is the growth of those groups amidst the coronavirus pandemic, um, because many of them believe that, you know, the fear and uncertainty surrounding this moment could be the thing that could kick off a civil war, because a lot of them do adhere to this accelerationist ideology, which basically says that society is irredeemable, and the only way to move forward is to bring about the collapse of the current system um, through an act of civil war. And so that is what they're actively trying to precipitate. And uh, Mateus mentioned the roots in the militia movement, but these roots go way back. They go back to Ruby Ridge. Uh, many people remember, of course, uh, the killing by a police officer, Vicki Weaver, who's become a martyr. A lot of these martyrs uh, continue. I mean, I think about the militia movement in its early beginnings. You think about Timothy McVeigh and the Turner Diaries and all of that, but you also think of a, a young 21-year-old named Duncan Lemp who was made into a martyr by this movement, who was killed by police in supposedly a no-knock uh, uh, expedition by police uh, in Montgomery County, Maryland. Um, so they have their martyrs, and uh, I'm looking at a tweet here uh, that says, white supremacists are in the military and the police, but too many people are in denial of this. Uh, can you respond to that, Cassie Miller? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's not surprising that Carrillo is, uh, you know, an active duty member of the military. Um, at the Southern Poverty Law Center, we've been documenting white supremacist and extremist infiltration of the military and urging officials to take action actually since 1986. Um, so this is a long standing problem. Um, the far right has long sought to attract people who have military experience because of the skills that they possess, um, which allow them to train other people and increases the violent potential of their movement. Um, and we've also seen many cases in which extremists actually join the military specifically because of the training that they can receive there. Um, so there's a long history of overlap between extremists and the military. Um, you know, just as one example, Timothy McVeigh um, was a member of the armed forces. Um, more recently, we've seen that at least seven members of the Atomwaffen Division, which is a violent neo-Nazi group, which has been um, implicated in several murders, uh, had seven members in the military. I want to bring our listeners into this. And again, you can join us toll free at 866-733-6786. If you have questions or comments, again, 
The number to call, 866-733-6786, or get in touch on Twitter and Facebook. We're at KQED Forum, or email any questions you might have to forum at kqed.org. Let me bring Agatha on. Agatha, join us. Hi. Hi, my name is Agatha Agatron. I've been a member of the Boogaloo Roboting Strutting Arts Alliance since 2009, and Boogaloo is actually a term for an African-American dance movement out of Oakland, California. Um, there's many members that are still active and sharing the history. Uh, it's a dance that came from uh, early uh, 70s, late 60s, up until the 80s, um, from Motown to funk music. And there's members such as Chris James, William Randolph, Boogaloo Dan, uh, that are members of the original Boogaloo movement. Uh, so this term boogaloo should it should also be known that it's an african-american dance movement out of oakland california uh, which blew up and became popular eventually it became called popping um i don't know if you're familiar with popping the term no you're right i guess the 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 dance in fact i had to get in my head this is called boogaloo instead of boogaloo like the dance uh, is more often called this comes from a movie though i think and cassie miller you can correct me if i'm wrong here uh, Break in Two, which was uh, an ele- it was followed uh, up by a movie called Electric Boogaloo, and it was a sequel uh, that starred uh, that actually starred Ice T. Uh, yeah, that is correct. So Break in Two, Electric Boogaloo was a 1984 movie, and it was about this kind of dance, um, and that is actually where the meme started. And as it happens in far right internet culture, often this was just sort of flipped. And it became civil war to break uh, electric boogaloo. So where, uh, Mateus, let me go to you on this. You know about uh, the, the Hawaiian shirts and the igloo symbols and all of that that's become identified with this movement? Yeah, that's, uh, it, some of it's just, uh, you know, igloo, um, boogaloo, uh, there's those connections. But yeah, uh, for instance, Carrillo had a patch on his bulletproof vest that looked like an American flag, but instead of stars, it had an igloo and it had one of the stripes with a Hawaiian um, kind of script. And they've, uh, uh, Cassie would probably know the meaning behind why they wear Hawaiian shirts, but that's become a thing. And and uh, there's this these memes that he wrote, uh, Carrillo wrote in blood on the hood of one of the cars that he carjacked um, saying, I become I became unreasonable and stopped duopoly. And I actually spoke to a, a marijuana dispensary owner down there who saw him as he's just trying to escape police and he kept mentioning the duopoly um, as he's holding an assault rifle and trying to carjack him he's talking about this these common sayings that um, are in the movement um, and uh, yeah it, there's a lot of memes out there with those those words and th- those types of things Cassie may know more about the Hawaiian aspect of what where that comes from Cassie that goes back to luau's I think doesn't it the, the Hawaiian aspect it does. So sometimes the boogaloo is, the name is changed, and often this is done to try and avoid bans on social media sites. Um, and so boogaloo turned into big luau, and so they started wearing Hawaiian shirts in reference to that. Um, and they also refer to it as the big igloo. So in a lot of the insignias that they have, um, and in the patch that um, Tice is, is describing, um, there is a, an igloo symbol and then stripes with one of those stripes being a Hawaiian stripe. There are a lot of jokes within jokes. Uh, let me get another caller here. And Sasha, join us. You're on the air. Hi, thanks for having me. Um, 
I had a quick question for the speaker. I wanted to know how real, like, what the probability if she knew um, uh, whether or not, um, or how likely it would be for an actual civil war to occur from these movements, the Antifa and Bugala movement. And then also very quickly, um, if there's a screening process with the military to screen individuals who are prone to joining these types of groups. Well, two uh, certainly important questions. But Cassie Miller, I don't know if you can talk about predicting whether or not this movement could have the effect of being a catalyst to a civil war. But uh, did you, if you want to comment on that, please go. Feel free go go ahead. <laughs> I, I don't know that I can um, really uh, predict whether or not this will become a civil war. I mean, what I do know is that there are people associated with this movement who are obviously very serious about the prospect of a civil war and you know within the subculture it's something that they believe is is actually inevitable so um, it's something they're actively trying to bring about and something that they are actively trying to prepare for um, and you know we have evidence of this in you know this recent attack in Oakland and and in several other arrests that happened before it um, where we saw people plotting attacks or you know having violent confrontations um, with members of law enforcement. So, you know, we shouldn't underestimate their level of seriousness about this. Um, when it comes to the screening process in relation to the military, whether or not they actually um, try and screen for people who have these extremist beliefs when they are trying to join the armed forces, um, there aren't great um, screening procedures in place. Um, we know that a lot of people with extremist beliefs get into the military very easily. I mean, one example is that a member of the Adam Waffen Division, as I mentioned earlier, this neo-Nazi group, um, was able to join um, the National Guard in Florida. And he had a very large tattoo of a symbol associated with the Adam Waffen Division, um, which was never picked up in the screening procedure, um, which seems like a very obvious red flag for someone trying to join the military. Um, so just demonstrates, I think, how much work the military has to do um, in, in trying to remove extremists from their ranks. Here's a tweet. Uh, I'm gonna, um, it's Matthias, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, I've been butchering your name. My apologies for that. Uh, That's okay. It's, it's a name that's pronounced different ways depending on uh, the owner of the name. Uh, again, Matthias Gaffney is a reporter with the Chronicle, former reporter of the East Bay Times and the Mercury News. I don't know if you can answer this, Matthias. This is Michael who tweets, why would the Boogaloo movement appeal to a Latino like Carrillo? Yeah, it's it, that's uh, hard to say. Um, you know, there's uh, various people are drawn to uh, these types of movements for various reasons. We know very little about him. Um, you mentioned the military. He's um, at Travis Air Force Base. He actually was a leader of an anti-terrorism uh, kind of elite force that when the Air Force goes into an unsafe area, they secure the area. Um, and the friends we talked to, you know, said while he had these um, police uh, brutality issues and uh, other uh, anti-law enforcement issues that he'd bring up on Facebook and they never thought he'd be violent. Uh, uh, so, you know, his background, we don't know very much about. We know that um, there was in other media, they interviewed uh, family members who said um, he had um, a violent um, streak to him. And, you know, there's also this uh, kind of a mystery where his, his um, former wife uh, committed suicide. He was also in Air Force. 
on the East Coast and that uh, that her death was initially investigated. Um, but as far as, you know, what would draw him into this, I don't know. There's a lot of people from different backgrounds who get drawn into these types um, of groups for various reasons. Yeah, many indeed. And we're going to have to leave it there. But uh, thank you, Matthias. And thank you, Cassie Miller. Good to have you both with us. Appreciate your being with us. Uh, another segment of Forum is up ahead. We're going to find out whether or not the name Fort Bragg should be changed. Stay tuned. That's next. I'm Michael Krasny. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country, we need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.